the timbers, yo, head for the hills. I pick the weeping willow and a daffodil. So back up, rock, oh, I'll pulverize my love. Cause this little piggy gets busy and stuff. I read my dirty heavens, the words and honky talk, I get swift. I caught a snuffle up against a smoke, the boogaloo split. I got the nooks, the crank, the nitty gritty, 40 dose of all aboard. Cast away, hey, where's my boogaloo? Ooh, I'm steaming, I go me. Why is everybody always picking on me? They call me Woodman Tane, and that's my game. You ask me again, and I just tell you the same. Cause I'm the book of what is up doe welcome to another edition of the pixel and roll show where we discuss the best basketball team on the planet jaku your washington wizards hello everyone my name is adam mcginnis it is january 19th 2016 it is a frigid freezing effing freezing Evening here in the nation's capital. We got a snowstorm on the way this weekend. People are emptying the shelves at Target, your local Trader Joe's. I, I don't. The reason I give these weather updates, aside from you know being a being a fan of Seinfeld and, and mundane conversations, is that they seem to coincide with however the Wizards are playing. So now it is cold and they're playing bad. And last week I had all sorts of plans to podcast when the team was doing well, and that fell through. Uh, you know who you are out there, so uh, thanks, thanks a lot for that. Maybe, maybe soon, soon enough, I'll, I'll be confident for to do my own pod, which will probably be after a loss, so I can uh, rant for 35 minutes about this team. But anyway, let's get into this team. Uh, the Washington Wizards currently sit at 19 and 21. They just lost last night, to, uh, lost yesterday to the Portland Trailblazers. They have now lost two in a row after after winning four games in a row. Um, my guest. Uh, with me, first time on the pod, a, f- a fellow writer at uh, Truth About It, Mr. Troy Halliburton. Troy, what is up, bro? How are you? Man, I'm living, Adam. How are you doing, man? I appreciate inviting me on the pod. It's my first time on the Pixel and Row Show or any other podcast ever, so <laughs> just happy. Popping cherries, baby. Popping cherries. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just making, making dreams happen, you know? <laughs> 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 no, no, but no, it's great though. I wish that it would be under like better circumstances talking about the Wizards, but this these last couple of games have, have left everybody in a state of shock right now. Yeah, it, it's funny. I, I watched the Pacers game on uh, on replay on my DVR on Saturday morning, and I was struck by. I was like, "Holy shit, this team looks awesome!" <laughs> like, like this is they the team. The, the, this is the team. Beal and Wall and Nene were playing great. They were running defense. They just whooped the Pacers, this, and it was like, oh, like this was the team we were so excited about all summer. Like this is the one that 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 swept the Raptors. This is the one that had. Had Atlanta beat before Wall's injury. You know, this was the team we were so anticipating for this upcoming season, where then injuries and sluggish start and you know all the all the podcasts that you've listened to before the show have, yeah. have, have led us up to have, have led us up to here. And and they had reached five hundred, that, that magical five hundred mark. And then what do you know? They have they have a five game homestand coming up, so you're like, wow, they've 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 reached this even mark, and now this is the time they can really get it rolling. The momentum's going. You know, they, they got even Steven, new new got guys back from injuries. Here they go. They're ready to turn turn the corner. Got the Celtics, a beatable team, a team that he'd struggled with this season, lost twice, but at home, and a team they, they should beat, and then they lose. Uh one one nineteen to one seventeen. 
And then they, 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 then they follow up against the Blazers on MLK Day, like I mentioned, and lost by 10, a game that was actually not closer. But let's go back, Troy. Let's, go, let's, let's start positive. There's positive pixels out there for the people. Let's start with the four-game four winning streak. They, they beat Orlando in Orlando. They have the Magic's number for some reason. I, don't, I still don't know why. They, uh, sol- a solid victory in Orlando, 105-99. Then they go on the road against the Bulls, very shorthanded. I wrote about this game on on the website, watched it all, uh, handled the Bulls from start to finish, essentially. The Bulls made a couple of runs, but the Wizards turned it on and beat them 114 to uh, 100. They came home and uh, play, beat the Bucks 106-101 uh, on a Twitter social emoji night there at the Verizon Center. I know that you cover that. Uh, we'll get into that, and then they go to and, and got a pretty dope T-shirt in the process. Too. Did you get it? Oh, I'll have to check that out. And then, then like I said, they they beat uh, Indiana on Friday, so a four-game winning streak. Sure, before let me just go back before we get into these games because we're gonna we're gonna discuss them. Just your, since this is your debut debut presence here on the podcast, and you also mentioned to me off air that you're you're a big big fan uh, of, of this of the show. I, I thank you so much for for listening to my rambles. I, I, what is just your yeah? Man, I know. I'm seriously checking out every. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell your tell your friends, your family. All so, uh, what's your overall sense and your feelings of of this team? Uh, just someone came out to you like, hey, man. What's up with the Wizards this year? Someone, you know, someone that has not following them. What, what would you say, or how do you feel? Well, I, I'd say that the 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 diatribe that you went on earlier was it embodies everything that is hashtag so Wizards. I mean, just when you think that you know this team is poised to make a turnaround for the season, you know they they have two clunkers in a row, pretty much. And I mean, the same thing could be said as the opposite. Like just before that four game winning streak. I mean, people were thinking that, you know, this team is done. Playoff chances are looking dim. Should the team start tanking for Ben Simmons? And, you know, that team is able of turning it around at the drop of a hat and, you know, stringing together, you know, four or five good games in a row. So I think that, you know, the Wizards are just, are just that team that I think you, you've also said this before. They're consistently inconsistent. <laughs> so whatever, whatever you think they're going to do, they're going to zig the other way. So, you know, I think that is kind of where we are with this team and especially the way that it's currently constructed. So, you know, I think that really th- the best thing that the Wizards can do is to just play the string out try to make the playoffs and avoid Cleveland and pretty much anything can happen from there. Yeah. I, th- I think you mentioned the, the Cavs game, they got all the hype at home. They, they Cleveland Kyrie takes over in the fourth quarter. Wizards fans are like, Oh my goodness. And then they play the Raptors at home, a team that they had swept, a team that they had struggled with in the regular seasons the last few years. And DeRozan takes over the game essentially and the Wizards lose. And, and here you are. Oh, they're f- five, they were 15 and 19 at the time, and then they rip off these four victories. So, like I mentioned about the positive side, what did you see out of these four these four victories over the Magic Bulls, Bucks, and Pacers? Well, I think that the Wizards kind of figured out a formula that the pace and space, the style of play that they you know envisioned them playing at the beginning of the year, kind of came to fruition over that winning streak. You know, Wald was, you know, just being spectacular, like spoon-feeding his teammates, you know, on these three-point shots. And when the Wizards are hitting threes, they're going to be competitive in pretty much every game. 
So, and I think that I think after the Orlando game, I wrote about how you know it's hard to you know completely change the style of play that you're going to play offense at over the course of one summer. You know, this is this is a, a oil rig here that we're trying to turn around in a, in a small channel. You know, this isn't just a a car that you can just whip around and everything is going to you know just go exactly how you want it to. You're going to have to go you know turn by turn by turn you know, one knot at a time until you get the ship turned around. So I think that, you know, the injury bug, getting Bill and the Nate back, who I think are, you know, two of the top five most important players on the team, um, getting them back definitely helped in the process with winning four games in a row. You know, like I said, Gortat, even though he uh, got injured after the Orlando game, he, he you know, he did a – he brought a, a strong presence, you know, in the weeks before that. So I think that, you know, Wall, with him being named Eastern Conference Player of the Week, you know, just really trying to establish himself as, a, as an all-star caliber player. Yeah, Wall was sensational. And it's almost – you don't want to mention it every podcast because that's kind of boring, right? <laughs> you just want to tell it's a John Wall podcast. But, but it's hard not to still give him his props, and he was – unbelievable on both ends stealing you know obviously creating but his shooting i mean his confidence over the last few few weeks his, i know i know he did a clunker last yesterday and it kind of contributed to the loss but his confidence of his jumper even the three-point shot is is sky high right now yeah wall is feeling very confident in his three-point shot and the thing is you can usually tell when he hits that first three He's confident enough to even come down on the fast break, pull up for three. You know, he's he's taking it with confidence. And the thing is, I was looking at his shooting numbers the other day. I mean, as long as he's shooting around that 33 to 36% mark from behind the line, like, I feel like he should have carte blanche to take as many threes as he wants. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's currently shooting 43 from the field. And his three pointers are yeah thirty five percent, and he shot thirty last year and thirty five two years ago when we commended his his shooting uh, for improving so much. And he's a thirty one percent career shooter. And I don't have the numbers offhand, but I know that he probably shot close to fifty percent over those last week from three. I think is what they what they said. Also, you mentioned uh, Beal and Nene coming back. I think that that was very instrumental. Uh, Beal was just. Just amazing versus the Pacers is the, the floaters, the different shots that he had. I mean, he had some rust that he came off a little bit on the Bucks game, but he was just phenomenal against Indiana. And you kind of saw that Bradley Beal that we've seen in the playoffs that we continually kind of reference and we continually want to happen over a couple months span. And obviously the injury bug doesn't really yeah, allow that, right? I think that, you know... Everybody knows that Bradley Bill is a player when he's on the court. And the thing, the biggest question about him over his career has been his availability. So, yeah, I think that the Wizards are doing the right thing by, you know, allowing him to rest and not really, you know, putting pressure on him through back channels. It's like some franchises do to, you know, make their star players play. I think that, you know, I think that it definitely worked out for both sides that he didn't sign his uh, his contract extension before the season. So I think that, you know, Bill is what he is. He's a great player, a great prospect. Not, not a great player yet, 
but he's showing the flashes that he could be a great player. I mean, he's just got to stay healthy on the court. Yeah, Nene was also pretty damn awesome, especially in that Bulls game. You know, he hates Chicago. He's been quoted as saying, I hated Chicago last year. You know, three years ago in the three years ago now in the playoffs, or no, I'm sorry, two years, two years ago in the playoffs, the, the Easter game where he takes over in Chicago game one, kind of dominated them in the series. You know, he headbutts Jimmy Butler, gets suspended. Trevor Reza saves his ass in the next game. And, and the Wizards win their first playoff series in a long time, uh, beating the Bulls uh, four games to one. Nene again was just on defense, and he just was all over Gasol from the jump in that game. You can see it also defensive, defensively is the stuff that I always like he, to watch Nene, how much space he will command in the paint and cutting off shooters, pushing his – Yeah, his, I think yeah, Nene – Yeah, continue. No, 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 go ahead. I was uh, breaking up. Oh, no, it, no, it's like, you know, how much he plays on the help defense. It's something that doesn't really show up in the box score. You'll look at sometimes the box score and he'll, you know, have eight points and six boards. But when you actually watch the games, it's like he has dominated the pick and roll defense. He has pushed his guy <laughs> way out of position for any type of decent post-entry pass. He's recovered on any drives where the guy can't really go at the rim. And it's something that doesn't really show in the box score, but you can really tell – uh, in in when you watch the games and, and also on the offensive end, how how great a passer he is. He's probably arguably the second best passer on the team, aside from Wall. And how much of the offense can be kind of going through him, especially when he's playing the five, right? And what we've seen, and they were they were down a man. They went small. Him and Dudley, arguably him, Dudley, Temple, Ubre, and Wall. I know Kyle has written about this and, and shown the stats. Is arguably the that has been the team's best five. Uh, and obviously they haven't had much time on the court together due to injuries and just due to circumstance. But that is a pretty damn good uh, starting five uh, for a defensive, and it really showed yes, for Chicago. That's definitely the Wizards. Yeah, that's the Wizards' very own lineup of depth. I think that, uh, you know, that's their best defensive lineup, and I think Nene is clearly the best defensive option at the five. And uh, it's really because, like, Nene has this, he has this thing where he's on the court and he's just constantly moving. He's constantly, you know, whether it's intentional or not, he's, he's throwing elbows. He's, you know, he's getting in the mix. And, you know, I think that that, his, that play inspires his teammates too. So, and that's, you know, defensively he's a great rebounder and he doesn't really bring so much as the rim protection but Nene does a great job of at least con- contesting a lot of shots at the rim, even though he doesn't really have too much lift left in the legs. But offensively is where I really think that he stands out because of how you know he can create so much of the offense just by you know he the the dribble handoff what they which they used to do a lot more action of last year. I think that you know they probably should bring that back a little bit. So what do you think Nene brings on the offensive end? I really think that Nene brings that, you know, offensive uh, playmaking ability that the Wizards need, especially um, considering the fact that Wall and Bill are kind of the only players on the Wizards who can create their own shots and uh, create offense for others. Uh, when Nene is in the game, you know, they run a lot of action through him in the high post, and uh, Nene's a, you know, more than qualified passer out of the high post. 
I think that he does a good job of, you know, getting his teammates involved. And, uh, you know, he's, he's the best local scorer they have on the team as far as, you know, back to the basket game. And, uh, you know, he's, he's very skilled at getting fouled. You need to be more skilled at making free throws, though. I think three other players that you mentioned that have been playing at a high level, especially considering their circumstances, would be Kelly Oubre, the rookie. He's really showed glimpses of promise and you know being a key contributor. Uh, Jared Dudley has been playing that four spot that they the team envisioned. I think I mentioned it on previous podcasts, but he's really coming to his own as a playmaker, and he's still one of the top three-point shooters in the league. Garrett Temple has been playing awesome lately as well, and and I don't, I don't you know we we crap on Garrett Temple because I don't I shouldn't say crap is not the right word is that we know his limitations he's never been an offensive player and we see him brick these shots over the years but he has really put some work uh, into his shot over the last month especially filling in for all these guys and especially playing forty minutes and being able to defend the best point guard and the and the shooting guards to walk and maybe take a breather that's always been his. His key to this team, I thought, in, in limited role, but with Beal's injury and Otto being down, he, and them not really, them really not having anyone else kind of in that role, he's really took that on. And I don't know if it's, I don't know if he's underrated. I don't think he's underrated. I don't know if we've given enough attention for how he's, how well he's really played because he hasn't really shown that over a body of work. But I want to give him props. I think he deserves it. I think that Temple definitely deserves like a lot of credit for how he has played this season. I think that he has exceeded, you know, almost everyone's expectations as far as, you know, what type of player that he could be. I think that uh, you know, Temple he's started twenty one games this year. He's you know, he might be, you know, along with John Wall, you know, one of the one of the leading candidates for his overall team MVP for the year. You know, his play has, you know, kept the team afloat. And, you know, it, it might not seem like much because the team is, you know, sitting two games above 500 or below 500, and, you know, they're looking very mediocre. But Garrett Temple has directly contributed to several of the Wizards' wins this season. And I think that a lot of it has to do with, you know, his confidence in, his, in himself. You know, he... You know, was never really known as, you know, an offensive player or offensive playmaker. But, you know, now he's, you know, not just taking the, you know, standstill corner threes. You know, he's he's attacking the basket. He's getting to the free throw line. And he's finishing on the fast breaks. You know, and, of course, he's, you know, still bringing the same intensity that he's always brought on the defensive end. So, and I think uh, you, you mentioned Oubre. Oubre pretty much is filling a role that Garrett Temple used to fill in the last few years where, you know, you come into the game, you know your limitation, you know your role, and as long as you stay within that role, you you have a good chance of being able to produce. And, yeah. and Oubre he comes into the game, he, you know, he doesn't force any issues. He, you know, he, he makes good passes, skip passes along, but when he's open, he has the confidence in himself. To, you know, take that shot, and his shot has been much improved. You know, from summer league to preseason until now, and he's gotten it up to about forty percent, which is, you know, I think surprising for you know a lot of people. So I think that you know, in Ubre, 
He's not a playmaker at this point. 100% of his threes made on the season have been assisted. So, you know, the Wizards aren't relying on him to be a playmaker. They're relying on him to be a finisher. And he's been doing that. I think that, you know, the one thing that he needs to work on to come over, you know, developing the strength that will help him finish at the rim a little bit better. Because he, he's got the, the quickness to get by a lot of defenders. And his wingspan is long enough that he can get the ball almost directly to the rim. Just needs a little umph to get it get it over the top. Yeah, how about, how about his steal and dunk against the Pacers the other night? I was like, holy shit! Oh man, that was that was, that was amazing. <laughs> I was like, wow, this kid's twenty. Or, or maybe it's just because the only ones that we really see do really athletic moves are John Wall. So when like another player does it, I'm like, holy crap! <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think that you know he's showing that flashes of athleticism that you know make it. You know, actually, you make you feel good feelings about Ernie Grunfeld for one. I, and I think that, you know, the Wizards made the right decision by, you know, kind of swinging for the fences with that trade and trading up to the 14th pick with Atlanta and, you know, grabbing Uber. I think that he's a, a prospect that, you know, the Wizards can build around going forward. And, 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 and on a lesser extent, I mean, Otto was playing pretty well in that, in, in the four game winning streak before he got injured. Uh, what have you seen out of Otto this season? I know he's kind of having an up and down kind of strange year. Yeah, I think that uh, I think that Otto has. I think he started out the year a little bit shaky, but because people are you know kind of forgetting that this is a new role for Otto too. You know, last year he was in Whitman's doghouse for you know the whole season almost. Down, <laughs> the, the season, you know, he got the the infamous. Auto, you know, freeze moments, Shaq in the pool, you know, so he, he, he really kind of blossomed in the playoffs last year, and I think a lot of people, you know, might have, uh, you know, made the incorrect assumption just thinking that would carry over into this regular season. But as, you, as the season has gone along, Auto has played better, his shot has gotten better, and I feel like you know, him sitting on the bench for a little bit around Christmas time watching Ubre play, I, it probably made him get healthier a little bit faster. So, you know, I think that there's a legitimate question going forward as to, you know, what small forward prospect do the Wizards think that they can build around for the future? Yeah, and we'll probably have a whole offseason debating that great question. I'll give you many, many, many podcasts <laughs> to talk about. So, <laughs> many, many podcasts. Hopefully we'll, we'll keep those far, far away for now because, you know, we're, we're still rooting for we're playoff basketball at this yeah, point. Yeah, no, we, we will talk about auto later in the injury update section. That's always a fun, fun time of the show. Uh, that I wish would end. I never could say any injuries, but uh, yes, there's there's several to update the people on. But you had mentioned that you had wrote about the Magic victory. I wrote about the Bulls victory. They were both were on the road, but they 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 had won against the Bucks at they squeezed uh, one against the Bucks at home. You were there at the Verizon Center. Another kind of strange game. It kind of embodies what we'll discuss here in a little bit of, about the dismal home record where the Wizards have two great road games, road victories, come home, they're up big on the Bucks and kind of limped, limped away to victory at the end. You know, obviously you're going to take the victory, especially in this up-and-down season. 
What were your real takeaways from from that game? You were there in person, just your whole experience, and you know, talking to the players and coaches afterwards. I think that uh, you know the the Wizards definitely didn't take the Bucks for granted. You know, they 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 understand that that is a you know a lengthy defensive minded team, but I think that ultimately the Wizards were able to get out and run on them, score in transition, and you know. It's it's funny sometimes that we complain as Wizards fans about, you know, trying to get the Wizards, you know, into the 21st century as far as basketball play. But now watching the Bucks play, they were setting basketball back. I think they <laughs> won for eight from three-point range in the game. I'm, I mean, they literally look you know, deathly afraid to shoot the ball from behind the arc. So, you know, I think that... You know, that was a was a key advantage for that particular game. You know, the fact that, you know, the Wizards, they, they, they were knocking down in threes and they're playing against the team, you know, scared to even take them. So I think that, but it was, just like you said, in, in classic Wizards fashion, they got out early on them and allowed the Bucks to come back. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of that has to do with the fact that, you know, there's, the, the second unit for the Wizards is, you know, very inconsistent at this point. And when you're trying to reacclimate, you know, Gary Neal back into the lineup and Nene back into the lineup, you know, everybody doesn't really, everybody hasn't really been playing together in certain lineups. So, you know, it's kind of a, you know, it's a, it's a work in progress with the Wizards right now. You know, what I remember that game is it was once again Nene and Ubre. And John Wall and even Otto's defense really stepped up in that fourth quarter, got a bunch of steals. I mean, they had the Wizards had 18 steals in that game against the Bucks. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. No, I think yeah, that is, that's when the Wizards get out and play their best. When you know their defense is forcing turnovers, live ball turnovers that convert into offense. And, you know, that's when John Wall is at his best. You know, out on the fast break, you know, addition to teammates and, and scoring at will. Now, what, do you, what, do you, what did you remember of the, the post-game interviews with any of the players or coaches from that game? You know, I think that uh, a lot of the players were, were very jovial in the locker room, you know, as they are after most wins. Um, I believe... Uh, you know, Jared Dudley always had a, you know, very nice thing to say about, you know, his former team. You know, he, he played for them last year in the playoffs. He played a very pivotal role for them last year in the playoffs. And he's a very complimentary uh, of Giannis and Jabari as uh, both young prospects. You know, they, they, I feel like they, they made him work, you know, really hard on, on the on the defensive glass that game. But, uh you know, Dudley was a, was a savvy veteran. He was able to, you know, score 13 points and, you know, contribute. I think that um, that was uh, Bill's first game back, and you could definitely tell that he was trying to get himself kind of acclimated into, you know, playing basketball again after sitting out for, for the 15 or 16 games. So, but once, you know, in the third quarter, he kind of he kind of got going a little bit too, so I think that you know Bill being back was a big morale boost for the team too. 
And I think that, you know, the players, they, they know that, you know, they can only go as far as field and the wall are, you know, ultimately going to be able to take them. Yeah, the other thing that stands out to me from that game was was John Wall wanted just to destroy people on dunks. So here's this guy that was reported to have an MRI. He was supposed to have an MRI before this game. Doesn't have the MRI till actually after the game. Ends up being negative. He's not on the injury report later in this podcast. He had some swelling thing going on between his his knee and his and his thigh or whatever. And he was out there just dunking all over. And the the one that the one that comes to mind the most was not actually the made dunk. It was the missed dunk. He was about to put John Henson on the sports highlight top ten list. Maybe you no know, top number one. He put all his energy. You could I could feel the arena buzzing on the TV screen. Do you remember this dunk? Do you remember the arena about to get hyped? He missed the dunk. I, I do. I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Wall Wall is becoming very nice at this uh, that left-handed drive finish at the hoop. I think that he wanted to put that one down so hard that you know he he kind of he kind of forced it like to, to come off the back of the rim. But yeah, he he was ready to to uh, put Henson on on some kid's poster. <laughs> yeah, no, I think Beal had actually. Beal had actually posterized uh, Henson a little bit. I was like, "Wow, they're making, they're really getting a skinny reserved Bucks Bucks low post player who weighs, I don't know, two hundred pounds wet. I don't know how, how much that guy weighs, but uh, it was it was. Fun. I thought that was just wow. The Wilds out here dunking with bruised knee was just once again. You know, kind of talks about how amazing John Wall is a basketball player, and, and you know, hence he was awarded uh, Player of the Week after he won Player of the Month uh, last. Last month in, in December, one player I want to mention too before we move on, and we've kind of mentioned a lot of other players, but this one I think deserves some credit here, the positive. We're, we're staying positive here, Troy. You, I mean, Ted, Ted, I'm trying to say all positive. Dude, Ted Leonson's is still listening. Skinny T, what's up? I know he's still listening to his podcast because I haven't gone into the negative yet, but it's coming. Uh, Razor Ramon Sessions. Uh, Kyle, Kyle. I think wrote about him the other day and mentioned how he's maybe arguably the best backup point guard the Wizards have had in the John Wall era for sure. Maybe even better than Antonio Daniels, which maybe would raise some eyebrows. I don't know if I t- totally agree with that, but I can kind of see his logic in that one. He's been amazing. I mean, in this Bucks game, he had five assists. He was six of 11, uh, plus 20, 15 points, no one turnover. He, I, I think I saw that he's has one of the highest, I think it was some Comcast stat where they really dig deep to really give you accolades, but <laughs> this one was, you know, be like, he's the best player in the last week. He has the most blocks average the last four days. I mean, something like that they like to do. I'm like, all right, dude, whatever. Uh, they love those stats. <laughs> but, but this one was like a real one. It, it was, of bench players, he had the highest free throw, uh, free throw attempts. Like, he averaged the most... He was one of the highest guys to get to the line as a reserve in the league, which I was like, wow. I mean, who? It, which we see, you know, we see him with that hesitation. We see him with the dribble drive. I feel I don't have any stats to back this up, but I feel like he's making more shots around the rim than he than he was in the first couple months of the season. Don't 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 quote me on that for record. It just feels that way that, that the misses aren't as egregious as they were before. That if that he's able to really kind of finish. What have you seen at a sessions this year, and, and and how much do you believe in what Kyle has to say about how 
that was spectacular. He really has solidified that backup role for the Wiz. Well, I think that uh, Atkinson undoubtedly has, you know, had a very great season for the Wizards, you know, as the backup point guard. And I, I mean, I actually would kind of agree with Kyle on that point, but I think that we both might be a little uh, personally biased just because, I mean, the backup point guard position for the Wizards over the last four or five seasons has has been atrocious at best. You know, when when we went through a, you know, uh, a basically calendar year stretch of Professor Andre Miller just, you know, kind of walking around the court with one leg but somehow making it work, when that was, you know, ideal back of a point guard play, I mean, we knew that, you know, this was an issue that needed to be addressed. And, you know, quietly as it kept, you know, Garcelle made another smart move last, last year by swapping out the Professor Andre Miller for session. And, you know, Sessions has come in. I think this year he has played a lot better than he did, you know, in the playoff stretch at the end of last year. But I think that, you know, like like you said, he has this uncanny ability of being able to get to the free throw line. And, you know, he's not really a great finisher around the basket, but he, he finishes enough and he gets to the free throw line enough that, you know, I mean, at this point, we, the, the Wizards will live with him, you know, kind of, you know, doing his thing and taking over, you know, at, at points of the game when the wall sits. I think that uh, the one thing that Sessions uh, maybe doesn't bring to the table is uh, shot creation for others. You know, he can, he can easily, you know, get his own shot at will pretty much. But, you know, he, he's only averaging 2.9 assists for the season. So... You know, he, he's not really uh, getting others involved. But in sessions, he, he has played his role of backup point guard, you know, to the best of his ability. And I think that I even like uh, Randy Whitman's creativity with some of his lineup choices, you know, using sessions and wall and Beal all together, you know, in this, you know, three-headed guard monster where they're able to run pick and rolls and, you know, pretty much get, you know, shots at the rim at will because of, you know, the great ball handling between those three players. So I think I think that Sessions brings a different dynamic uh to this team that, you know, they need as a as a ball handler. Like like literally Wall Bill and Sessions after that, like the the Wizards don't have great ball handling as a team. So you know, I think I think he plays his role to the best of his ability, and you know, I can I can be nothing but happy about you know what he's done for the Wizards this year. Yeah, he's shooting fifty-two percent sessions is from two point from two point shots, and he's a forty-five percent career. Last year, he totaled he shot thirty-nine percent, so he's shooting thirteen percent better. Uh, from two-pointers this year. And last year, for the Wizards, he shot 41. For Sacramento, he shot 37. So, like you mentioned, he, I mean, he's shooting a lot better at the rim. I think maybe some of this, oh, this finishing uh, ability. Now, his free throw, he's shooting 77% from the line, percentage-wise, which is a couple points down from his career. But, he is, he's, a, but he's got to the line 150 times this year, which is a lot for a guy that, you know, is... Based, I mean, he's played... 80, he's played 40 games, 850 minutes, 
So, um, you know, 20, 20 minutes a game, and he's, you know, he's getting to the line pretty much, you know, four, three or four free throws a game for a backup point guard is pretty damn good. Uh, pretty damn good. You know, and, and the thing is, too, the reason I want to mention Sessions is because with, with, with Ish, Ish Smith, who the Wizards cut in training camp because they didn't have a roster spot because they had this guaranteed Monday to Sessions, had no real room for him. He kind of was one of those, ah, like, of all the luxury, like, they had a, a glut of of guards committed where they kind of needed, they needed Ishmael to be a big guy, right? They could have used another big guy. I mean, they could have cut they, Blair. They could definitely use another big. Okay, so they could have cut Blair. Blair yeah. But then you see Ishmael succeeding at Sixers, and then you see in the in the stuff, when they talk about Ishmael, and, well, first they make fun of the Sixers for trading him and then cut, not signing him. And then training for him back, which is ridiculous, uh, you know, because he signed with New Orleans after the Wizards cut him. But with the way Sessions playing so hard, it kind of makes up from that criticism to the Wizards of letting Ishmith go. When, when, I mean, not that they were ever going to keep Ishmith, but now Ishmith is playing so well. It's like wow, you know, and he's a little bit. He's obviously younger. I believe he's younger than than Sessions. I I, I need to double check on that. Sessions is twenty nine. I. Uh, I feel like Ishmael is maybe yeah. around Wall's age, maybe. But what, do you, do you I, I see that? that? You know, the the Ish the Ishmith cut at the end of preseason. I think that you know that was as, as just one of those ro- inevitable roster moves that you know nobody could control. And just like you said, you know, there's no space for him, they, right? They cut him, they you know, and then spent it. They, they actually cut him and then spent two second round picks. To get, you know, back, to get him back, which is so, so stupid. You know, it's, part of the process. It's, it's, part of the process, Troy. Itself, <laughs> but I think that you know the NBA. The NBA is one of those businesses where you know a lot of people make a lot of you know scouting decisions. You know, and a a lot of people are are basically just trying to bat five hundred. You can you know hit on fifty percent of deals, then you're probably you know doing you're probably doing well enough to keep your job. And I think that. You know, Ishmith has been in a lot of camps. He's been on a lot of teams. He's played in a lot of league games. And very happy for him to see him succeeding, you know, in Philadelphia right now. But I don't think that, you know, the Wizards can kind of, you know, hang their heads low because, you know, they let Ishmith go in the preseason. Yes. So we are going to segue since we're talking about cutting players for the Wizards that end up being better later, that ends up usually being a negative indictment on the Wizards. But in this case, it's actually we're actually saying it's just okay. But let's just segue into the two-game losing streak. They lose on Saturday night to the Celtics, 119-117. to 117. Unbelievable. It was one of those weird games where the Wizards were essentially in control, but not in control. Oh, is it not, not handling control? They were always kind of up four to eight points pretty much throughout the game, you know, maybe 10. Uh, and then the Celtics just went on this run at the end they, to to hit some shots over the, over the Wizards that the Wizards did not. And then things got really weird and wacky at the end. Uh, pretty much it came down to a tie game. Ubre got, uh, Ubre got caught in a bad position defensively. Brad Stevens, you know, the, the coach X and O's, uh, his his fellow Indiana guy Randy Whitman outfoxed him with a out of bounds play, which left Ubre on an island with no backside help, which then made him get beat with Crowder on a on a layup. 
And with three seconds left, but then, of course, John Wall being the one-man fast break, takes the ball, goes the length of the court, goes between two dudes, and the ball goes in and out. And goes off the rim, and an A dunks it home to tie it, but, of course, it was past the buzzer by maybe a second. Uh, disappointing on all ends. It was one... I don't think that I... It was one of those weird things where I can't get too mad at the Wizards on this one. Like, how I saw it play out. I saw some really questionable, poor defensive rotations in the fourth quarter by the coaching staff, which I didn't understand. Offensively, obviously, they played pretty well. They scored 100, 117 points. Gore Tots defense around the hoop. I had an issue with, I thought Ubre should have played a little more. I thought Gary Neal was in there way too much in his poor defense. They had real no answer for Isaiah Thomas. I didn't know what they were really kind of doing somewhat on defense. But I don't know, is it a miss or make league and the Celtics just made one more? Is that how we chalk this one up? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think that the you know, this, this was one of those games where, you know, the Wizards literally seemed like they ran out of gas going into the fourth quarter. And, you know, Brad Stevens was kind of, you know, coaching circles around Randy Whitman with some of his out-of-bounds plays and, you know, his, his decision against uh, how he had his rotation. I like the fact that he kind of leaned on Marcus Smart a lot in that game, and, and Marcus Smart was bringing, you know, a lot of defensive intensity and making it difficult for, you know, Wall and uh, Garrett Temple, who was, who was playing because uh, Bill was out that game after dominating the night before in Indiana. So, you know, the Wizards were very much shorthanded for that game, and I think that Boston's team is deep, and, you know, by the time the fourth quarter rolled around, you know, they, they, their guys were, you know, a little bit fresher, and they and they kind of, you know, outran and outsmarted the Wizards. I think that uh, Ubre played, you know, he had a, a, a fairly decent game. He was aggressive. Um, he shot four from 11 from the field, and he finished with 10 points. Uh, defensive laps on that last play, you know, he's got to, you know, know better to, you know, you know, poorly front Crowder the way he did, and he made it. He made that a uh, lob pass, you know, way too easy for Marcus Smart to, you know, get at the Crowder. And I think, you know, I was watching Crowder play, and I can't help but be impressed with, you know, how good of a player he is. He he kind of you know fits that mold of the quintessential three and D player, and uh, you know he's he's what I you know envision. You know, peak Otto Porter kind of playing like, but I think that that game in particular, you know, I think no doubt about it that Brad Stevens, you know, coached circles around Whitman with his out of bounds plays. But you know, as you can see, Brad Stevens, you know, he he couldn't control his players, and hit the look on his face when Jay Crowder got that technical that you know almost you know single handedly you know, ruined that game for them. You know, he, uh, Brad Stevens was, was none too pleased about that. So, you know, I think there you know, a lot of DC media gave Whitman a hard time about, you know, not being able to, you know, reel in his players and when, when they get emotional. But, 
you know, it was kind of Whitman who was, you know, getting riled up and defending his players in this instance. So, you know, I, I covered the Portland game the, the next, well, two days later, and that was his first time talking to the media since then. And, you know, he, he had some comments. He basically pleaded his case that, you know, he was kind of just defending his guys and, and telling the refs to, you know, basically, basically to stay on top of it to make sure that nothing else happened. Now, I don't, I don't know where, you know, that, that version of the story versus Jay Crowder's version, version of the story that, you know, insinuates that Randy Whitman was cursing at him. But, you know, just well, as, well, as Whitman said, you know, what, what's profanity? Yeah, let, 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 me, let me interrupt you. Let me set the scene real quick. So in the Celtics game, the Wizards are down four points. John Wall gets, gets fouled on, on a three-point attempt. He misses the first free throw. But somehow in the in the there was a, a in the in this you know I'm sorry in the three point attempt a Crowder and A get tangled down below so John Wall gets three free throws so so then they review this this fight between or tanglement between Crowder and A which is really funny because you got a really tall Brazilian dude in dreads and you got Jay Crowder in dreads too so I got you got two dudes in dreads tied up I, I don't know why I find that amusing but I do uh, so, especially especially with what when one speaks with a, a very thick Portuguese accent uh, uh, so and and he's the bigger one with the, with the bigger dreads uh, you know a little frostier a little frostier dreads than uh, Jay Crowder he's in his mid 20s uh, and in A in his in his you know early 30s but so then, as they review it, nothing happens. So Nene is now talking to the ref, being Nene, you know, you know, talking about how you shouldn't, you shouldn't review it or whatever. So they zoom in on Crowder and Nene, and they both are just going back and forth still to each other. And Nene is giving that I can just I can already just I can hear his accent through the TV screen, dude. Like I just like oh no. No, just shaking his hand, man. Just basically kind of telling him, like, you don't want any of me, essentially, man. Like, just shut up. <laughs> and Crowder is, and Crowder is, so Nene's like not, Nene is just saying, no, 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 no. And he's not, he's not saying anything to him, per se. He just, he's just telling him he doesn't, like, stop talking to me because I'm going to kick your ass, essentially. Well, Crowder is just, just keeps on chirping, keeps on chirping. The ref, the ref tells him to stop talking. Well, Wall, during the meantime, Wall misses the first free throw, Okay. So now it's a huge miss because now it went from, you know, getting a chance to cut it to 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 one to now now you know now there's only two free throws you're down four. Well then, it keeps going and then you look and you look up the ref telling him to chill out and you look up and I see Crowder look towards see I in the, in the in the TV shot it looks like he's either looking across to another wizard across on the lane or the bench. And he goes, he mouths like, you want some, you want some too, is what he mouthed. I swear to God, I went back and looked at it. And, and so then the ref comes and tees him up, right? Then Wall makes all the free throws. Then they go back down and then Jarrett, Jarrett Temple gets fouled after they made, they made a one and two. So they go up two. Or no, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. So that was really funny because then, Kelly Oubre then jumped on Amir Johnson's back on the last make of John yeah, Wall. Yeah, the, the greatest, the greatest non-intentional, intentional foul yes. you'll ever see. So John Wall got a chance to cut it all the way down to one because that extra free throw. So he makes all his three. Then Oubre had jumped on his back, Amir Johnson's back, who's a 50% free throw shooter. Amir Johnson um, makes the first to go up two, misses 
the second one, and then Crowder hooks Jared Temple, dumbass, hooks Jared Temple, you know, 90 feet from the other end, and now they give a foul on Crowder. Now Jared Temple, Garrett Temple goes in, in, uh, and gets two free throws and knocks him down, which then leads to the, of course, J- J- Crowder game winner. But let me, the funniest part about this is that, it, well, aside from the look of Brad Stevens on the sidelines, but but let me just go into to, to the quote. Because now what Crowder is saying is that it was Randy Whitman that was talking shit. So I, so then I'm like, okay, so Randy Whitman's talking shit or smack, which I, I actually believe, honestly, to tell you the truth. And so now he's talking smack, but now Crowder's going to talk smack back to the coach? I don't know. I find it bizarre. But anyway, this is what Whitman says when, when Crowder says that it was the coach that said it. He goes, what's profanity? Crap. Heck. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Whitman responded about Crowder. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, it, that, that that com- that moment right there left you know almost all the media members in, my, in the hall with laughed a little bit puddle. You know, that, listen. <laughs> here, no, let me finish. Whitman, listen, Whitman listen. In, in classic form, but he has a straight face the whole time. I'm saying it though. So yeah. this this rest was crazy. I think, but 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 what I think that you know he the point that he brought up later though. But he says that if he was standing right next to the ref, if he said anything that was inappropriate, the referee was right there and he would have heard it and something would have been done about it. So I think that, you know, that of this whole situation, that is literally the most logical answer that we've gotten. You know, the referee is standing directly next to him and if he's cursing out players from the, you know, opposing bench, I think that you know, they, that something would have been done about. And that's what Whitman goes on to say. Whitman says that the ref, he goes, I'm right next to the officials. If I was yelling at the player, I'm pretty sure the, the official would have teed him up, right? So, okay. Exactly. Well, what's, what's also messed up in that is I vine this, and in the vine, when he gets teed up, he goes after the ref and, and accidentally bumps the ref. And so I was like, holy crap, like he should got thrown out of the game. Uh, it was really bizarre. Crowder totally melted down. It's really unfortunate that he ends up hitting the game winner because that's what So Wizards is all about. But Crowder was relayed what, what Whitman said, and this is what he said. He goes, uh, it was nothing aggressive like that to get a techno foul. It was going to be resolved. And then I hear Whitman over there saying he was saying, and that got my attention. And I was like, what? Is that coming from him? That caught me by surprise. If you watch the film, everything caught me by surprise. A lot, a lot of words go, and I just retaliated, and I got hit. <laughs> I can't decipher that. Uh, I, I watched the film. I retaliate. Right. Anyway, I, think, anyway. Uh, I think that Wall. No, I think that Wall had a quote, and he said that uh, you know there was a lot of warfare going on throughout the whole game. So I think that you know this is. This Boston Washington is, you know, butting into, you know, a nice rivalry. Well, I, I can't even call it a rivalry at this point because they basically kicked our ass three oh, times this year already. But, well, you I, know, I, I think that, you know, these are, these are two teams who both, you know, see an opportunity of being competitive in the Eastern Conference. And, you know, I think that, you know, the, the, the matchup got the best of a lot of players that night. Well, so, is, is that, know, this, is, this is Wall said. There's a lot of wolfing going on. Is is that what makes the NBA great? Could you ever predicted that Randy Whitman and Jay Crowder would be kidding? There's a thing now between those two. <laughs> That's what I love about the NBA. <laughs> hey everyone, that breaks up part one of my discussion with Troy. 
since there was so, so much to discuss with the struggling basketball team, we ended up going very long. I broke it up into two different segments. Part two could already be available for you to download. Once again, I always appreciate all your support. And as always, go with. This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Jiki Vons and Sugar Dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the crocus in the Vega and get lit, what? 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 Introducing Phantom of the Dark Walk through my heaven with levitation from reefers, drenching defense, and each seven show boating with rugas, flash vines, Belafonte Jigger. Let's get forward this birth as we confiscate your figures. Yes, and over brown, levitating, jiki and dashikis, the lahada car, 54, chasing diamond runners, headed ice band. The big chiller diamond convention, Harlem Buck Strut, freezing world heights, Hollywood, Madam Butterfly. Let me in your house, a pleasure from the knuckle swatch, shadow boxes catching black eye blue. I play the thief, what? Sensations at the Monte Gauri screen and Chiba Fulfilling pleasures in my castle Blow the smoke out The Goss of Vegas substitutes When the Dutch is gone The load don't stop Give me shouts It's the season Sartayas Two flayers for swerving No corners We magnets to moolah Living with Charlie's angels on us No smiling with sliding That gets you caught up in the octa Or dead for moving It's just like that as we proceed it's Saturday night special Better take it light You Jaja You're a Capitan Quest to the coast The Key Lago Wire the chain game Keep your ears out for a head, sip the fountain blue, house of bamboo, paradise. This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The cheeky vines and sugar dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the caucus, clean the vega and get lit, what? This is it, what? This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The cheeky vines and sugar dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the caucus, clean the vega and get lit, what? 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 Falling sparrows, courtesies of Black Caesar that convince us silky days, satin nights, taking flight, Donald going, sweet sensation, Spanish flying with the lady scarf face, bottoms up, sunshine, love potion number and we nine. And from the magic city, transcendent, sweeter on your aura, Fancini in London, relaxation in Bora Bora, got notion to bring it, sing it, never been my function, stoning, robbing, we heisting, merchandise and gunning, love it, leave it, but bless the war chief for his bison, get it, got it, the low will forever be nice and the sunny Chiba, he be sipping on my red duh. They get you gracious, he be sipping on my red duh. We float the trash, stay draped in the satin vines. This coolie hijack pack from the sugar shack. Then what we do after we sip the armor red duh? We start the Harlem River quiver, dig it sweet daddy. Chopping the crimson blade, high Sierra serenade. Anatomy for seduction, be this yeah, ebony As junction. we exit the place with grace, just the armor rather than bursting of clouds. It pours, everything seems better on flats with love. We move. Only in the mess, it's slow, it's life, and we can't get enough yeah, of this. This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Jiki Vons and Sugar Dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the caucus, clean up bigger and get lit, what? This is it, what? This is it, what? Lucini pouring from the sky, let's get rich, what? The Jiki Vons and Sugar Dimes can't quit, what? Now pop the caucus, clean up bigger and get lit, what? This is it, what? This is yeah, it, what? Yeah,
try to stay with the high hat And then I flew side to side in my coolie high And then I threw something with the Spanish fly, yeah And then I flew down south with the boogie flats And then I slide up in between the sticky foot oh.